Hey, uh, moving forward, we're going to pray, we're going to dive in. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and to share your truth this morning. And Father, as we deal with another, another roadblock in our life, Father, we pray that you would smash this roadblock. And it's a roadblock that many and many of us struggle with, most of us, maybe all of us struggle with. And Father, as we bring it to light today, as we talk about this roadblock, Lord, we pray that you will reveal where that's in our lives. And God, by your supernatural power today, that you would smash it and it would be over. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, we've been uh, talking about moving forward. It's our theme for this year. And we've said over the last few weeks that it's God's intention that we move forward. Moving forward means to take initiative, to step into the thing God calls you to. It's about fulfilling his purpose. It's about taking a stand for Jesus in your um, unbelieving community. It's about, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about doing the things that God wants you to be doing moving forward. But as we said so often, there are roadblocks that get in the way of us moving forward. We, we don't move forward. We don't take initiative. We don't step into God's purpose. We don't fulfill God's calling because of fear, because we're comfortable in the here and now. Maybe we think, well, I've done it in the past. I'll leave it up to someone else. Maybe it's our past that's holding us back from moving forward. Maybe there is guilt. Maybe there is shame in our worlds. Maybe there's habitual sin that's holding us back from stepping into the things God has for us. Last week we looked at lack of vision. We're talking about roadblocks. Lack of vision. Not looking forward. Not looking to the things God has for us. And the roadblock I want us to look at today is a big one. As I said, as we prayed, that most of us struggle with, and this is it. Oops, what happened there? Oh, that's no good. That, that, that slide is supposed to say fear. So I don't know what happened to that. But the uh, roadblock we struggle with, that many of us struggle with, is the roadblock of fear. When we're afraid... That can hold us back from fulfilling the will God has for our lives. So a bit of fun, a bit of uh, check your general knowledge. I want you to get a phone out or an iPad or a pen and paper. And, and I'm going to give you 10 questions and you need to write down the answer to these 10 questions. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? You've got an iPad, you've got a phone, you've got a pen and paper. Here we go. Whoa, what just happened? Oh dear. Oh dear. Acronophobia is the fear of what? Oh, no, 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 no. You write down what you think the answer is. Arachnophobia is the fear of... Right, that's an easy, is that an easy one? That's an easy one. So write down the answer. Question, second one. Octophobia is the fear of... Octonauts. <laughs> Not the octonauts. Third one. Andreophobia is the fear of... And thank you. I can't, I, don't, I can't even say them, let alone know what they are. Here's the fear of four. Motor, this is one for Ross Freeman. Motophobia is the fear of number five. Zoophobia is the fear of 
How are we going? Keeping up? Six. That word. How, how do you say it? Chorophobia is the fear of colors. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Seven. That, that one. Didaskalinophobia is the fear of... You don't know, I don't know that one, Charles. Number eight. Electrophobia is the fear of... <laughs> Number nine. Ecclesiophobia is the fear of any Greek students, Amy. And number 10 is what are you afraid of? Write down the answer. That's a good answer. You fear, if afraid of fear. That's a, there's, there's a term for that. Are you ready for your answers? Number one. Here we go. Arachnophobia, spiders. Octophobia, the figure eight. Who got that right? Who got it right? Very good. That's good. That'll work. Andreophobia, the fear of men. <laughs> Valentine's Day, I thought that was a good one for Valentine's Day. Motophobia, fear of automobiles. You got that right? Most people. How about this one? Fear of animals, yes. That one? Fear of clowns. <laughs> Who knew that one? No one, excellent. Uh, that one is a fear of going to school. Anyone know that one? Mark, did you know that one? Ah, oh, right. Flip. Fear of chickens. Electrophobia. Number nine. Fear of church. Ecclesiophobia. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. And the last one is what are you afraid of? Have you written that one down? When I was about, I don't know, eight years old, I can't remember how old I was. Um, for some reason, I was heading around the backyard in my house and I raced out the front door and I raced along the veranda, jumped off the veranda, turned around the corner of our house to go down the path that, that, was, that, that goes down the, lot, the outside of our house. And as I turned the corner, there was this lizard. And it must have been as big as our house. It was a blue-tongued lizard, as big as our house. It opened its mouth and went, you know how they do? And I freaked. I was like, froze, saw the thing, freaked, turned around, ran straight back inside. And ever since that time, I've had a fear of lizards. Now, I was... Um, doing some um, counselling work with one of our young teenagers in our church, and we're speaking about school, and we're speaking about fear, and, and, and I told him this story about my fear of lizards, and do you know what he did next time I saw him? He brought a lizard. <laughs> what a ratbag kid. If that was your child, can you please uh, chastise him at home? You know, when I say um, a fear of lizards, you know, lizards don't stop me fulfilling God's purpose in my life. So if I see a lizard and I'm walking along the road, I might go, oh, lizard, but then I'll just watch it as I walk past slowly. It's not like I have to go on the other side of the road or I can't function. So, so my fear of lizards is like little and miniature and, and it's okay. I'm not talking about those fears this morning that stop us moving forward. I'm talking about fears this, fears this morning that prevent us, that hold us back from walking in the things that God has for our lives. Now, last week, I, when we spoke about lack of vision, I talked about how I believe LifeGate Church has a, compel, a compelling vision that I'm willing to get behind, that I'm willing to lay my life down for. And, and, and one of the reasons is because I have found freedom in, in my life. And what I said last week was one of the areas I found freedom from is around people-pleasing. I'm not 100% there, but wow, have I come a long way in finding freedom from people-pleasing. 
The problem with people-pleasing is that you run around and try and make everyone happy rather than doing the things that God wants for your life. Now, people-pleasing is a nice way of saying it. The, the better way of saying it and, and are more true is this, fear of man or fear of people. That's people-pleasing. The reason we people-please is because we're afraid of people. We're afraid of what they're going to think about us. We're, we're afraid of how they're going to treat us. We're afraid that people won't like me. We're afraid that people won't accept me. If you're a people pleaser, you have a fear of, of, of what people think about you. And if you have that fear, well then you're so concerned about what other people think and what other people are going to say, how people are going to treat you, you, you don't necessarily say the things that need to be said just in case you upset them. Or you don't do the things that need to be done just in case it puts them out. And you can also find yourself running around and doing these things and saying these things to make people happy, which can wear you out and make you exhausted, rather than doing the things that God wants you to be doing. Now, there's, there's some nice parts about people pleasing, because it's nice to love people and nice to honor people, but wow, can it go the wrong way. That's the sort of fear I'm talking about this morning. The fear of man, the the fear of getting acceptance from others. The fear of getting it wrong so we don't step out. Fear of failing so we don't take initiative. A fear that our past could be uncovered. You might have a past. And we all have a past. And a lot of our pasts aren't pretty. And you think, well, if I step into this role, some might find out about my past and therefore I can't. Or you're so ashamed of your past that you won't step out. Maybe you're afraid of new things, or maybe you're, a fear, you're afraid of change, or maybe you're afraid of not having enough money, or maybe you're afraid of someone laughing at you. Maybe you, fear of, you have a fear of conflict, so you don't step out. Maybe you have a fear of rejection, and you don't step out. Friends, what are you afraid of this morning? There it is. Hey, it found it. What is the fear that's holding you back from moving forward, from taking the initiative to fulfill God's calling for your life. I'm going to wait a moment. I've given you a list of things. Fear of... What is it? Who can think of one? Hands up, who can think of something? One person, two, three. Come be honest, you can think of something. All right, half the group. If you can't think of something, keep thinking. Because at the end of this message, we want to confess it to God and say, God, I've been afraid of this. God, I'm sorry. And then we'll get to the third bit a bit later. You know, if you have a fear that's holding you back from moving forward, you're not alone. Because a really um, well-known passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 1 talks about the people of Israel and how they were afraid. And their fear prevented them from moving forward, prevented them from stepping out, prevented them from taking initiative, and the results were catastrophic. The, the result was that whole generation, everyone over the age of 20, died out in the desert over 40 years because they didn't step out, 
They didn't fulfill God's calling for their lives. It wasn't until the next generation obeyed God, stepped out, that they fulfilled all that God had for them. The passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 1. And Deuteronomy means second law. Deuteronomy is written, if you look at verse 3, it says in, let me read it to you, in verse 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 1, in the 40th year, in the, when I read that, I read it as 14th year. I went, 14, why is there 14? In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, since when? 40 years since they came out of Egypt. So as you read Exodus, it's, um, and Numbers and, and Leviticus, you, you are reading what was happening at the time. As God spoke, they wrote, as Moses declared, um, it's, it, it happened as, you are, you are rooted as, as it happened. Is that clear? Deuteronomy, Moses says, it's been 40 years since we've left Egypt. And he goes on to tell them the story of what happened. And in, and in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19, he goes back and tells the story that we read about in Numbers chapter 13 of the 12 spies who go into the land to check it out. And they come back and say, wow, it's great, but the people are huge, the armies are huge, the, city is, the our cities are huge, and the people at that stage were afraid, and they didn't step forward to fulfill the calling God had for their lives. So before we read the text, I want to take you to a picture. Here is a picture of like Israel today, but this was Canaan then. They're in Egypt, and this passage talks about three places. The first place is Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. So Moses says they, they started here in Mount Sinai. They went up through the, Amor- the Amorite territory. The Amorites were a people group up to Kadesh Barnea, which is there. And at Kadesh Barnea, from that place, they sent the spies. And it says the spies go to um, a valley of Eshkon, which is north of Hebron, which is here. There's a valley there, and that's where they go and check it out. I just wanted to show you that map, so when we read it, it makes some sense to you. Are you ready for the text this morning? Let's go. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Then, this is Moses speaking to the people about what happened um, 40 years earlier. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, And went towards the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you've seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God promised to Abraham, before he was even living in that land, that God promised to Abraham that his descendants will have a land. And through lots of circumstance, Abraham went down there. They went down to Egypt. The people grew to about 2 million people. And then it was God's intention that they go past Sinai, get the way that he wanted them to live, and then head up into this land that the Bible says was flowing with milk and honey. It was God's promise to them 
that they were going to take this land. God says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Verse 23, verse 22, sorry. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up, to the, went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it's a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. It's a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were willing, uh, sorry, read that again. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents as you said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites. Now, the Anakites were a group of people descended of um, Achan or Ank, however, however you pronounce it. And apparently they were really big people like me, tall, strong, and muscly. Yeah? Han- thank you. Thank you, Ross. And handsome. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large and they're pe- descendants of the Anakites. Then I said to you, do not be terrified and do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt. Before your very, very, before your very eyes in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. Oops. Is there one more slide there or is that it? I need one more slide. I'm going to read it to you from verse 34. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall shall see the good land I swore to give to your ancestors, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and later on it says that Joshua also will see it in verse 38. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he, he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The question I have is this. What were the Israelites afraid of? Turn to the person next to you, 15 seconds. What were the Israelites afraid of? Go. Who's got an answer? What were the Israelites afraid of? Change. change. That's a good one. Fear of change. What else? Hannah? Fear of getting hurt. Fear of getting hurt. Fair. Another one? Fear 
Fear of people, fear of the unknown, fear of death. Becky. Fear of enslavement again. Anyone else? Fear of? Fear of failure. Good one. How about this one? A fear that God wouldn't protect them. Fear of conflict. You know, friends, all these fears were a roadblock for the people of Israel to fulfill God's calling for their lives. And the result of them not obeying God is that that whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died out in the, in the desert. The punishment was to wander the desert for 40 years. Even in that, God was gracious in that. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. He gave them food that just fell out of the sky. Birds flew in. and chicken and bread every day. Quail and bread. I think it's like chicken. But yet, their fear stopped them walking into the abundance of life that God had for them. And for us, you know, we can struggle to share our faith because we're afraid of how others will treat us. Maybe you struggle to declare you belong to Jesus in your workplace, with your friends, in, in your university, because you're afraid of what others will think of you. Maybe you struggle to put that first 10%, that tithe, you struggle to put that aside for God because you're afraid that you won't have enough money to survive on. Maybe you're afraid to step up to serve in a, in, a, in, a, in a role in your workplace or a role in your church or step up to serve others because you're afraid, as Blake said, of failing or, or, or getting it wrong. You know, all these fears, they prevent us from moving forward. But in this scripture that we read in Deuteronomy, Moses gives us the antidote, the, the our medicine, the, the our pill that we need to break through our fears. Are you ready for the pill, the antidote this morning? In verse 32 it says, In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. They did not trust in the Lord their God. Friends, the antidote for fear is to trust in God. The pill, the healing, the, the breakthrough from fear is a dependence, is a trust, is a faith, it's a surrender to God, knowing who He is, knowing that if you're a Christian this morning, that He holds you in the palm of His hand. And Moses says it in three ways. The first way Moses says it in verse 30, he says, let me read the top bit. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you. This is why you can trust him, Moses says. No, he didn't say that. This is why you should have trusted him. Because he's the God who goes before you and he blew down the bottom. 
he went ahead of you on your journey. In fire by night, there was a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day where God led his people. And Moses is saying here that you people of Israel, you should have trusted God because he's the God that leads you. And friends, as New Testament, New Covenant believers who sit here today, we can trust God because he's the one who leads us. In, in Romans chapter 8, it says that those who are sons of God are, are people who are led by the Spirit of God. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep know my voice, and he leads them into green pastures. In Hebrews chapter 13, Bible, the Bible says that God will never leave you nor will he forsake you. Friends, God is the one who is walking with us, who is leading us, who is guiding us, and because that's true, we can trust him. We do not need to be afraid. If he says, go this way, if he says, step out here, you do not need to be afraid because he's leading you. The second thing Moses says in verse 30, he says, the Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. He's the God who will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. In Egypt, there were two million people in slavery. And to get free, rather than taking up swords, rather than taking up spears and going to war against the Egyptians, God in his sovereignty sent the plagues. He went to war against the Egyptians for his people. And then as they left Egypt... When the army was chasing them down, they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And again, rather than taking swords and spears ready to fight, God simply opened up the waters. God simply opened up the waters. Imagine that. God simply, did he sneeze? Did he blink? Did it, was it like, I, I dream of genie? Or did, or did God just speak? We don't know how he did it, but God just opened up the waters because God can. And, and the people of Israel went through and God got rid of the army. God fought for them. You know what the Bible says for us, New Testament believers, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to read a little bit to you because I've got five minutes. So I want to just read a bit from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to look it up. It, this is an incre incredible passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? Friends, if God is... For us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And it go on in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? In verse 37, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, God is for us. He is fighting for us. He's protecting us. In Ephesians chapter 6, 
it says that the Lord God gives us armor. The helmet of, the breastplate of, the belt of, the feet fitted with gospel of peace. That's the one, peace. The sword of the, and the shield of, God has given you the armor in Ephesians chapter 6 that we would stand. He gives us all that we need to stand in the battle. God fights for us. And in Hebrews 13 chapter 6, it's Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6, it says, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can me mortals do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. F- friends, when, when circumstance... When people come against us, when people attack us, know who your God is. The one who gives us what we need to stand. The one who fights for us. An amazing God, the God we can trust, the God we can rely on, the God we can have faith in. The third thing and the final thing that Moses says in verse 31, he says this, There you saw how the Lord... Your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. He's talking about how God did the plagues, how God led them by fire, the cloud, how God fed them, how God protected them when the army of Egypt was coming, when God took them from, gave them water from a rock, how he just cared for his people. Like a father carries his son, you know, if you have kids or you're an uncle or an auntie or you've carried kids, there's something special, you know, and as the, and as the big person carrying them, I'm still, I, rest, I still remember being carried by my dad. My, my uh, dad has a smell. Is he in the room today? Is my dad in the room today? Not here today. My, uh, my uh, dad has a smell and it's a lovely smell and it's a safe smell and it's the smell of my dad. And, and I remember as a kid, he used to carry us from the car. We'd be out at night and he used to unstrap us and then carry us into bed. And when that happened, everyone goes, oh, it just felt so safe and so secure. And for my little boys, well, they're not that little anymore. Joel, easy. When Aiden falls asleep, that's a, I'm, a bit, I'm in a bit of trouble here. He's getting big. He's like this big now and to try and carry him. But there's something special about carrying, carrying the ones that we love. It's protecting. It's, it's, it's nurturing. And you know what, friends? That's how God treats you. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're a person who's recognized that Jesus died on the cross for you, if you're a person who's asked God to forgive you for your sin, if you're a person who's committed your life to Jesus, friends, God is the God who is carrying you. In Romans 8, verse 26, The Bible says that God helps us in our weakness. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it talks about how God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us when we need it. And Philippians chapter 4, 13, a well-known verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as he carries us, as he nurtures us, as he gives us all that we need. Friends, the Israelites were afraid. They didn't trust God. And they didn't step into all that God had for them. 
The second time, as Moses shares this story, then under Joshua, if you read Joshua chapter 1, Joshua got the people ready. They crossed the Jordan and they went in. As they trusted God, as they relied on God, they took initiative. They stepped into the calling that God had for their life. And they took the land, just as God said. What are you afraid of this morning? You know, we've uh, talked about fear in a negative way. But not all fear is bad. The Bible says in the Old Testament and in the New Testament for us to fear the Lord. Now that's not a fear where we're scared or we can't approach. But it's a fear that is a fear that is honoring Him. It's a fear that is recognizing His power, recognizing what He can do. It is respecting, it's honoring, it's, it's worshiping Him. And as we learn to fear Him for who He is, it actually helps us to trust Him. Because as you fear Him, you recognize who He is. And as you recognize who He is, your natural response is to trust Him. Because of who He is. And as you get to know Him, a verse that stands out is 1 John 4, 18. It says, God's perfect love, it doesn't say God's perfect love, that's, we added that. It says, perfect love drives out fear, but it is talking about God's perfect love drives out fear. Friends, as you get to know God, as you understand who He is, and then as you trust Him, in who he is. As you rely on him, as you surrender, you know, fear fades away because I know that my God is leading me, because I know that my God is for me, and I know my God is nurturing, nurturing like a father nurtures his son. Check this out. Stephen, is the sound on? The fear of wide open spaces is called agoraphobia. The fear of spiders, arachnophobia. The fear of needles is known as trypanophobia. And the fear of heights, acrophobia. If you're afraid of the dark, you've got nyctophobia. Oh! The fear of long words is hippopotomonstrosesquipedeliaphobia. Why would they call it that? And fear of being trapped in a confined space with no escape, claustrophobia. Most fears are bad, but there's one kind of fear that's good. The fear of God, realizing that he's powerful, he's in charge, and he loves you perfectly. When we understand this perfect love, 
it has a way of making us all not so afraid. So when it comes to fear, we have a choice. Fear God. Or fear everything else. Which, by the way, is called panophobia. That is cool, isn't it? So let's get real, church, this morning. We want to, that's one of our values, to get real. What fear is holding you back from stepping forward, from taking initiative? What fear is holding you back from stepping into the things that God has for your life this morning? Now let's take action and let's do something about it. Now the best way to deal with fear is to confess it as sin. That's what it is, sin. To repent, which is to say, God, I change today. That's confession. Sorry, it's sin. Repentance is I recognize I've done the wrong thing. I'm heading the other way. And then... Choose to live differently. Choose to trust God. Choose to put your faith in God. Choose to follow Him. We're going to spend a moment. We're going to give you time to do that. And then as you're praying, I'm going to invite the worship team up to come and stand at the front. And if you like prayer this morning for a fear, and if it's something that's been holding you down. Let's see it smashed today in the name of Jesus. You know, God can do in one second what it can take years and years and years to do. And sometimes God does the years and years and years thing because, out of his sovereignty. But sometimes God does the one second thing as well. And this morning, let's believe for the one seconds. So I invite the worship team to come and stand and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, first we want to thank you for this story in Deuteronomy where it's shown us that the people's fear held them back from walking in the things that you had for them for fulfilling their purpose. And God, it's a great example for us of where our fears can hold us back from fulfilling the purpose that you have for our lives. And so now, God, we want to confess our, our fear to you. And, my, and friends, I encourage you to say, God, I'm, I'm afraid that, or I'm, I'm a fearful of. Tell him you're sorry. God, I'm sorry for being afraid of. And God, from this day forward, I choose to live differently. Help me to trust you. Help me to follow you. And to step into all the things that you have for me today and each day. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.